This episode is proudly brought to you by Tom Organic, who just launched their bikini cut period briefs, making managing your period way more comfy thanks to their four-layer leak-proof system that uses organic cotton to wick away moisture. I've been thinking heaps lately about how to make my period more sustainable. Like, is the answer biodegradable tampons? Is it weaving reusables into my routine? All of that. And period undies are a great way to go reusable. You just rinse them in cold water, then you machine wash and hang them out to line dry. They've also got flat seams, so they're not going to look lumpy under tights. Mandatory if you're going on a fitness date, except don't ever go on a fitness date. No one needs to see my running face. (laughs) You can pick up Tom Organic's new bikini cut period briefs from www.thetomco.com or Cole Supermarkets. is Jeans and a Nice Top, a crash course in modern dating with Ash and Mel. Hey, Ash. Hey, Mel. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jeans and a Nice Top. Yes, live from lockdown. Well, not live, but from lockdown. I was just laughing in my head because you and I are wearing like literally the same outfit. <laughs> I mean, I've got five outfits and that's all I wear in lockdown and they're just like boy shirt and oversized jeans or sarong, repeat, repeat, repeat. (laughs) I'm on like oversized, so mine's not actually a boy shirt. It's it's the dad t-shirt from Cotton On, which I'm obsessed with. And I kind of wish I didn't just plug it because I don't want anyone else to buy it because I want them all for myself. (laughs) I'm going to go buy some more because I wear them every day. They're my pajama top. And then the next day I will just repurpose said pajama top by putting a crop top underneath it and putting some leggings on and then I'm just ready for the day. Oh, yeah. That's that. Always that's go for like a morning walk in whatever I slept in the night before. Yeah, fully. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I'm not meeting anyone on that walk to like flirt with, hey. <laughs> I'm definitely not. And I'm also definitely not like dressing to work better or anything like I think we were talking about this, but like Kate's boyfriend, my sister's boyfriend has been wearing full outfits every day, including shoes and Clutch has been doing the same, right? Yeah. Cause it's just like getting ready for the day, like signifying the day has started. Yeah. I am ready to seize thy day. I, I don't really subscribe to that. I mean, I do, I did start wearing shoes for a while. So well, I just like it's impressive. have, have my shoes on, but I've downgraded back to Uggs. So. Oh Yeah. Yes, it's true. The inner bogan in me loves comfort. It gravitates towards it. I do. I'm actually, I'm looking forward to the warmer weather because I do, I have this theory, which happened to me last lockdown. There was this thing about lockdown foot and it was this whole thing about, yeah, it was this whole thing about everyone was wearing Uggs all the time. And then they were saying like, you get this thing called lockdown foot. And here's the thing. I didn't read the article. I just saw lockdown foot relating to Ugg boot wearing. And I decided that it was like your foot went all weird and squishy and pale when actually it's more to do with like your arch of your foot or something or like, you know, like. Because there's no arch support in it. There's no support. Yeah. Yeah. But I decided that it meant like, oh God, because our feet are like wrapped up in shoes all the time that they're going to go all weird. And then I was convinced that my feet look different. They didn't. Anyway, it's just, you know, this is what it's like living in my brain, guys. I just. (laughs) Truly, it is a ride from top to toe. No no (laughs) research, just total anxiety. (laughs) 
<laughs> we do not, we do not condone any kind of COVID conspiracy <laughs> theories around here unless it's to do with your foot structure. <laughs> then we're all on that bullshit. We we're will, all on we it. We will tell you birds come from bird seed if it's about feet in lockdown. <laughs> yes. Oh God. But yes. Um. The big news in my life is that Tom and I are moving in together for real. So we've been living together in lockdown. And then we were just like, well, this is already happening. We may as well just make it official. Um, Like it wasn't that spontaneous. It was kind of in the sense of it had been like two and a half months and it was just cruisy and easy. And so we were like, well, my lease was coming up. He's wanted to move out for a bit. So we were sort of like, it makes sense for us to move in together. It, it felt like the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, you and I have talked about this a lot. We should probably do an episode actually around moving in together because, you know, there's moving in, you know, in sort of chaotic energy where it can kind of go. I mean, it can always go wrong. You just never know. But like we definitely, I think it was nice to have tried and tested it and then, you know, feel like more confident that things will still be cool. But fuck me, as soon as you do it, you anxiety through the roof. And I've talked to a lot of people about it and we don't talk about this. And I, like, everything was cool with us. And then all of a sudden I'm, like, panic stations. And, like, every time I go to pack something, it's, like, very emotional. <laughs> and then I can only do, like, one box. And then I need a break because I'm so emotional about all of the change, you know, and it's it's this weird thing where you know it's not that you don't want to live with this person, not that you don't love them. Like I and I usually don't know that, but I can tell that it's 100 percent just me like reacting to the amount of change that I'm doing in my life, you know? Yeah. And this is the first time you've lived with a partner as well. So yes. that would be feeding into it is like this is just the first time you do anything. There's a lot of unknown variables, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's always um, it's always tricky, I guess, moving house because there's a lot of like physical elements as well as mental elements. Like mm-hmm. you just drained from like the physicality of it all, but also just all those micro decisions of like, what about the storage? Where am I going to put this? Where am I going to pack this? Is there space for this? It yeah, it's exhausting moving. Yeah. It is, mm-hmm. and then you just add on top of it all of that, yeah, newness. And but yeah, a friend of mine just moved in with her partner, and she was saying, "Oh my god, Mel, I had I felt sick to the stomach so many times during the three weeks as I was packing. Like it's so normal." And I was like, "Well, no one tells you this. Everyone just acts like it's like the funnest fucking thing in the world." And then you get to it, and you're like, "Am I weird? Is this weird that I'm feeling this way?" And then everyone comes out of the woodwork with their stories of vomiting because they were so stressed about it. And it's like, "Oh, okay. It'd be nice if you told me that before." This I happened, just but- see. I approach it totally different. The literally the worst thing that can happen is you break up, you pack your shit, you move out. Bye, babe. Bye. I know, but I was just like, the worst that can happen is I move out. Like, yeah, it's true though. It's true. Like, this is with everything in life. Like, Mm. decision when when you've got difficulty making decisions, it's like it looks like this huge, life changing, you know, be all and end all thing. But the reality is, you can always exit. Like, I mean, you know, there are cases where people literally can't. Like, you know, there's that whole thing of, like, for women to have an exit. What is it? An exit. Is it called an exit budget or something? It's, like, essentially the idea of putting money away so that if anything ever happened, you have money. So you to can hightail it. You know, yeah, so you don't get yeah. stuck in a situation where you're financially incapable of leaving, which, you know, there are many women out there who are struggling with that. But that's not my situation. Like, I definitely can 
if anything happened, leave. Yeah, and yeah. Sort it and that, out and, you know. There definitely wasn't a lot of nuance to my comment then. Uh, apologies. <laughs> no, there's, fine. there's definitely levels you. to it. I just mean like in, you know, a healthy, uh, healthy, stable relationship where you're just both not into it anymore and you've got a few bob in the bank, you can bail. Uh, not everyone's in that position. But, yes, you know me, I just break it down black and white while Mel's like, there yeah. are shades of grey. Why no, is everyone not looking I at the grey? <laughs> no, no, I was meaning like I get you because that is my situation. That's most people's situations Completely. is that we're panicking more over the feeling and the, and the stress and we're kind of catastrophizing it. But the reality is, is that if the worst inverted commas did happen that we didn't want to be with that person anymore, yeah, not like – permanently living in that house you can leave um but anyway not that that's what i'm thinking that's super grim it's just like no. weird and scary and i don't like yeah. packing and i don't like change and i ugh, and it's like I, I refuse for example to pack my books up because my books the bookshelf is right next to the tv and it's like almost becomes a bit of a design feature of this house that i'm mm-hmm. in and if I pack them up, it will change the look of the lounge room where I spend most of my time because it's locked down. And I'm like, that will stress me out. So they have to just stay up there until I'm happy to deal with that image changing, if that makes sense. Oh, God. Again, it's exhausting it's, to live in my brain. There's, there's <laughs> levels to it. There's yeah. a lot of layers. Um, but speaking of TV, what are you watching at the moment? Because I need inspiration and you always have the perfect Aussie show. I mean, no one wants to hear this, but uh, on... <laughs> no, but here I go. I, okay, but here we go. So I've been watching Rescue Special Ops. Okay. Go figure. I what can is he- that? I can hear a siren in the background. Oh, Maybe. my God, it's meant to be. <laughs> Maybe it's the main characters coming. Oh, it's probably okay. not. So I've been watching Rescue Special Ops, great show from like 2011 about just, you know, a bunch of uh, people who were like SES but cops. So they like, if you're falling off a cliff, they'll like come and save you with their ropes. But I also did try that um, RFDS show, the Royal Flying Doctor's Service. Yes, so I really wanted to watch that. How was that? Good. A lot of lot of Broken Hill action. So if you mm-hmm. have been to Broken Hill and you love the sights, get ready it's great also by just really wholesome viewing i mean falling off a cliff not so wholesome but like the storylines have (laughs) they're pretty basic there's no global pandemic there's there's nothing very uh there's nothing you know very menacing about them so great tune in i think i believe it's uh on seven mate rfds and Mm -hmm. amazon prime is where you're going to get uh, your little fix of rescue special ops but i need to watch rfds because i do love the flying doctors have a bit of a romance around them right like it's just so like like, i mean romance is in like there's something just phenomenal about being able to just fly to these remote outback stations and then there's someone having a baby in the middle of the like airstrip and they've got to like quickly run in there and deliver it you know that shit i live i love it big time absolutely great telly i'm trying to convince tom to become a royal flying doctor nurse that's cool it would be cool i'm basically trying to like project my personal fantasies about his job onto him like and he, I was it's, a nurse. It's the same so as what it's would just I like, be doing? It, that is not like it's the same as what anyone projects anything onto your career. Like that is not what the realities of my day to day job are <laughs> at all. But thank you <laughs> for your assumptions. I know, and I'm like, but then Tom, you can go and you can deliver babies in the middle of. And he's like, I'm not a midwife. <laughs> like I don't know what you think a nurse it's, is. Yeah, like, I don't mean, you just do everything. <laughs> 
because it's like all nurses do everything, all doctors do everything, but a little bit more than nurses is in my mind, yeah. which is completely I like wild. Are, and I think doctors are surgeons, and that's not the same thing at all. Like I think that they also cut people open, and that's not what they do. A surgeon would probably be like, yeah, good eight years of uni for nothing, idiot. And you're just like, ah, what? You're all the same, right? <laughs> Anyway, correct us. Hit us up in the DMs. Yeah, if tell, we, tell, tell us, us, what, tell you us what you do if you're in the medical <laughs> field because clearly we have no idea. But today's episode is... We do know some things about. We, we do know some things about. So last week I was reading this article on The Guardian about the rise of strategic dating. So it was about this mm-hmm. woman called Rebecca Campbell. She founded that Hey You app. So, you know, that one where you order mm-hmm. your coffee and then it's Which- ready also so genius she founded that like before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and it was like no one wants to go up to the counter so genius work well done Rebecca genius so she after she you know spent all her time creating this app she was looking for a partner and she ended up writing this book called 138 dates where she documented you guessed it her strategies for finding a partner when she went on 138 dates so mm-hmm. Basically, she approached dating the same way she launched the brand. So, you know, by sketching out a bit of a business plan that resembled a sales funnel, which if you work in, you know, any kind of business, you'd be familiar with that. So, you know, to bring in leads, she signed up to online dating platforms and then she, you know, tasked friends with hitting her up with any matches that would be great who they knew in their social circles. And then she created a list of traits she wanted in a partner And then to vet these candidates, she had screening calls and potential dates before meeting them. And then to ensure it was a controlled experiment, she met her suitors at one of the same two venues every week. And, Mm -hmm. you know, spoiler alert, she did meet someone after three years and then now happily married. So just got me thinking about dating strategies and whether or not everyone has them or if we're all just out here ad hoc dating. Yeah. And then what I guess what it's what you classify as a dating strategy too, because I reckon that a lot of people do have them. You just don't realize that you do. Like you were talking, Ash, about like in a recent, like not a recent episode, but one of our episodes mm. about having like picking the same places where you feel comfortable to go on a date. And I think that is such a like, that is a strategy because you feel comfortable. Totally. And I always think like I maybe don't think of them as strategies, but they were just things that set me up for success so you know when I used to wear the same outfit on every day it was just a little decision that was like like mitigating decision factor that was taken out of the equation and it was just always the same and then the only real variable was the person across from me so every I had sort of a bit of control over a few things which put me at ease and if you're a type a control freak well you'll know the feeling (laughs) Yeah, I was. So I also read the article, mm. and i i I really did like her approach because I actually it sounds really chaotic when you're reading it out about the funnel and stuff, but actually she was quite, um, like chill in the sense of what she was expecting from the men she was dating. It was more about strategically meeting the right kind of people as opposed to expectations on their behavior on the date and like behavior expectations, I suppose. Like she was more like going, okay, well, I obviously want someone that's ready for a relationship. I want, you know, like this kind of person. Mm. And I also 
don't want to rely. Like what I really liked about it is that she went for like the whole plethora of ways you can meet a person. It's like dating apps and friends setting you up. Yep. Not just relying on like that life thing of friends setting. You know, people get really, I think still weirdly, people get very, very particular about I I will not meet my partner on a dating app. I will only meet them in Mm. real life. And it's like that's just not the way the world is now. But also it can happen. So it's good to have a mix of ways that you can meet a partner and not rely solely on one thing. And it was interesting when she was saying, uh, you know, how she created a, a list of traits she wouldn't need a partner. And yes. I think that that's like really important to, you know, factor in. But in my, uh, you know, humble opinion, these should not be characteristics but values, like the yes, fundamental okay. stuff. Like you don't want it to be, you know, I've heard of people writing guys off because they're like, oh, he lives like he lives too far away. It would just be a mission getting to his house. Like, I'm like, what? No, I'm talking about like if he is like he has an addiction and addiction is no for you or if he's a smoker or, you know, religion that doesn't align with your religious beliefs, like that is what should be on your list to vet potential dates as opposed to like characteristics. I think we really need to start limiting our dating pool within reason. Like you do, you need some parameters, but you also need those parameters to be approached with a bit of flexibility. Because I think as we get older, our lists just grow and grow and grow and grow to the point where our dating pool is so small that it's mm-hmm. literally got three people left in it because mm-hmm. we've just whittled it down. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, have some element of self-preservation, um, but just don't close yourself off, I would say. You know, we need to no, use our totally. judgment without being judgmental. Absolutely. And I do like, I, I, I did that very much so for like quite a few years. I felt like I'd gotten so limited in the type of guy I wanted to date. And it was mm. always like, I want some creative person who's like, their, their pictures like look really cool <laughs> on their app. And I want someone that's like into music. And I want this. And I just had all these like weird, hyper specific. And it wasn't even necessarily like I went into it thinking that when I was swiping, but I just noticed that I would swipe left on totally normal guys, but they just didn't have long hair or they just didn't like, you know, whatever. Um, you know, like I, I, I feel like I'd gotten really specific without even realizing it and I was only swiping right on men that sort of fit the mold of what I wanted to date. But then I was also really like, and that's fine. Like, if you want to go through a phase mm. where you only date band dudes, I am so into that. Like, big, big mood. Um, they are usually all shit, but, you know, enjoy getting your heart broken. But also oh, sometimes it's fun. I hope you like so, paying for every round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> paying for every round and being like a widow to band rehearsal. But, you know, like, uh, that's cool. But if you're looking for a relationship, like, if you're, like, out here going, no, I want to meet, like, someone that I can, like, watch TV with and, like, you know, be myself in front of and just hang out with all the time, I think that you have to you have to get out of that mindset because, like you said, Ash, it's not that you can't find a guy like that, but you are limiting yourself so severely that the chances, like logically the chances that you're going to find somebody that you connect with who also fits this weird aesthetic mould that you've created in your head is very slim. But then I think on the flip side... People, I reckon a lot of people don't 
consider the traits, the fundamental traits that they want in a partner and when they're out here swiping. And again, I feel like I did this for a while, out here swiping and not thinking about compatibility in that sense of like, you know, cool, they're really hot, but like, you know, you don't, like, I think you need to go into it with a bit of a like strategy, a few, <laughs> at least yeah, a bit of a strategy, just with like n- thinking about, I think you need some hard and fasts. Like, I think you need, you know, if you want to be with someone funny, I think that is definitely a hard and fast. Like I just knew I needed to be with somebody fun. I'm yep. really like, and this isn't for everybody. Not everybody needs a fun person, but I'm very playful a lot of my flirting is playful and a lot of my energy, like when I'm having a good time, is playful. So I needed a playful guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would suit someone who was quite serious in the same way that a woman that was quite serious or like another person that's quite serious pro- probably wouldn't suit being with someone playful. They'd just get fucking annoyed by them all the time, you know? So I think there are things like that where it's more about an energy of a person or the values of a person, not about superficial stuff, like you're saying, that you do kind of need to stop dating for a second, assess what you're actually looking for, and then go back into it because then you have a bit more of a, I guess, foundation of what you're looking for. And I think that's, again, and kind of what Rebecca was talking about, you know, like then you're going to be have your eyes open for that kind of stuff, not for like Mr. Band dude, you know? Yeah. And I think as well, after you've sort of sat with yourself and made that list and again, that list of like values, fundamental things that you're looking for in a partner, not like, you know, they have a beard, but then you need to start approaching it with curiosity and warmth and a little bit of trust. Like I feel once you've got this list and you cling to it for, you know, for death and then you approach everything, you kind of get in a bit of a defensive mode because when you rock up on the date and it turns out that uh, they're not matching up, so maybe they matched up on the app, but then in real life, you kind of, you just start to project all that disappointment on them to their face and then you're already closed off. All your warmth, all your curiosity, like you're not curious about getting to know this person anymore. You're just like, well, you fucking don't match my list. Yeah, I'm going to sit through this date, but I hate it and I hate you and I hate everyone. Anyway, back on the app I go. And then it becomes too clinical. Completely. Like someone, people aren't lists. People are like humans. Yeah. We're not lists. So in that sense, I think there needs to be like a strategy is flexibility. So like have a strategy, check it twice, but God, you need some flexibility around it because if you're not trusting and you're not curious, you're closed off. Yeah. And then that's it. Like as much as I was like, you know, I got to a point where I was like, no, I really like playfulness in a partner. That's not to say that if I met someone and they were really serious that I wouldn't give it a shot. Like Mm. I don't think it's like, like I think there are some things like, well, no, actually I think, I think with all of your factors, like obviously things like, are they a nice person? I don't think anyone's going to give a piece of shit person a shot. You know, like you're like, well, if you're not nice, I'm probably just not going to go beyond this date. But like, yeah, I do think it's good to know what you want out of a partner. But I also do think, like you said, people are human. And also your knowledge of yourself is not the like 
every facet of who you're going to be perfect with. Like Mm. you could just be surprised. And I think that's the thing is being open to surprise is really important because otherwise, like you said, I think you become too closed off and then you start looking at it too clinically and then you're going into dates and going, oh, nah, they're, you know, what, whatever, like they're a Christian um, and I'm an atheist. We definitely can't work. They're, um, oh, they work in a bank and I'm an artist. Nah, not going to work because you don't know. And I do think, you know, that there is potential with a lot of different matches of people and not always in what you think. Like, you know, you're not really painting the ideal man, I guess. It's more like you, or person. Like, it's more that you're, I guess, getting a bit more of an idea of what you're looking for so that you're not falling into traps of just looking at aesthetic or, like, superficial stuff is, I think, was my strategy at least. Completely. And you don't want to be too rigid around anything. I think we need parameters in place for self-preservation. Like you need to have a list of, you know, traits and values looking for in a person, you know, great to have a list of, of pubs or cafes or parks that you feel, um, you know, are local to you and comfortable and you know the lay of the land. And, of course, you know, a handful of outfits you feel a million bucks in. But if they say, hey, do you want to come to this pub, you you kind of got to be flexible in that sense because yeah. then if you are if you stick to your strategy too gung-ho, then you miss out on all of these other like surprising things, like you said, Mel, like curiosity. And this is also, I think, a factor with dates. This is my controversial opinion Ooh. is I think – that if you're too rigid about what you are looking for and what to expect from somebody, you can shut people down too quickly. And like I had a, I had a rule and it was a, almost a solid rule, but again, a bit of flexibility that I would always give someone two dates um, mm-hmm. unless, of course, I was really off them in the first date. So a couple of times I was just really off someone in the first date. I just knew, that weirdly just knew. I just had mm. nothing there. But then I'd have other dates where I was like, that was a good date. It wasn't like an amazing date. I'm not like crazy excited to see them again, but it was a good date. And weirdly, Tom and I, I feel like our first date was a good date. It wasn't blow your socks off. It was just a good date. We went on another date, also a good date. Then on our third date, I was like, wow, I really like this guy. And you know what is really interesting is it because of his personality, so he's a bit more reserved than I am. He's a little bit more – he's not actually, but he – his initial presence is much quieter than me and he keeps his cards close to his chest. I feel like over the last six months now, if I look at him now and how he is with me now versus first date, totally different, like so much more cheeky, playful, fun, you know, than he was on that first date because he's nervous. And this is the thing is that you could go out with like, we're not all – all cards on the table, here I am, here's everything about me. Like a lot of people uh, will play it safe, you know, are much more protective of themselves and or, or just shy or whatever. And I think you, like, I think it is worth exploring a connection beyond that first date. And obviously if you're just so off it, like that's a different yeah. story. But like, fuck, man, like, like we're not, like why do we expect people to show up on these first dates? Like, Perfect Jazz hands. Like here's everything about his. Here's, here's every facet of my personality. Here's everything that I am. Judge me, 
and decide whether I'm worth having in your life. What the fuck? Like, when you really think about it, that is chaos. And it's absolutely like the the more tired I got with dating, the more I leaned on like media strategies 101. So I just would turn like just roll in like I was doing an interview. Like yeah. I was a whole like, going on, you know, a guest on a podcast or doing something, you know, front facing, just like, hi, how are you going? I'm Ash. And it's like, what a, the hell? But <laughs> like not, a business suit. <laughs> not everyone has that in their toolkit. Like if you are not, yeah, if you're not, uh, you know, a front facing kind of person in your career, in your life, then you probably don't have that skill set. So your default mode would be to go introverted. So you'd be a little bit sort of, I, I guess timid in that sense, like you're not going yeah. to be like giving it everything, throwing the kitchen sink at it because you want to win this guy. Whereas I would just go the opposite way and just go bells and whistles. Which the amount of times I was like just trying to impress someone with like all of my lame, funny stories, and they were sitting across from me like this chick is skits, <laughs> and I would just be like, "Oh, you just moved here from Perth? Oh my god!" Like, trying to like impress them, and they were like, "I'm yeah. going back to Perth." Like. Chicks on the east coast from you. crazy. <laughs> but it's the thing, like, I think that a first date is a weird time. And this is it's so also in that article they talk about, and I've forgotten what it's called. I've, um, I've got it. I've got it here. Reddit group. Yeah. So there's a Reddit group, which is quite interesting as well. And I don't know if anyone uses it, but it's called FDS. So it's female dating strategy. It started in mm. 2019. Anyway, it's ended up expanding to be a podcast and a website, but They've got so many people on there. There's 185,000 members of this yeah. Reddit thread. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I'm just flat out saying that I hate it. And I know that possibly would be people that listen to this podcast, and that's just my opinion. Like, if you like it, I actually want to hear why you like it 100% in the group in Jeans and a Nice Top on Facebook, if you do, because I'm open to, like, absolutely other ideas. But I think why I hate it, is because a lot of the rules that are outlined in this story that come from the Reddit group, like you, the guy must ask you out, you can't ask them out, you can't have sex in the first six weeks, you shouldn't do that, are too, again, too rigid. I think that they don't allow for human factors. Yeah. And I think that it turns dating into something very clinical. And I think this is the concern with strategic dating is you don't want to veer into turning it into clinical. It's not clinical. It's not a laboratory. You're not dealing with like cardboard cutout people that will, you know, respond the same exact way to every behavior that you do. Yeah. They're humans. You're human. So I think if you play the game like, and also I think when you have too many rules like that, when you're playing, the ga- it becomes a game and you think you can win. You think, oh, if I don't sleep with them for six weeks, I will land them as my partner. That doesn't work like that. You can sleep with them literally on the day of six weeks and then they could dump you the next day still. You just don't know. And that's the thing. Or you could fuck them on the first date and be happily married. married and have 20 children. You know? Totally. Like it, it could go either way, any way that you do it. And it's really more about reading the situation and what works for you. And, and that's my, that's my problem with those things is I think when you – and it all comes from a good place. It comes from, you know, like you said, self-preservation. Yeah. And, you know, trying to work out how to do things without getting 
constantly pummeled in the heart because dating can be hard. Mm -hmm. But then I just think you turn it into a fucking, like, it's no better than the rules, that horrible 90s men man book, you know? Yeah, that's throwing (laughs) it back, yeah. Well, it's just like fucking, it's just games. It becomes like, it's not a game. There's no winning. We don't win in dating. No. win somebody. No, and there's so many variables within human Mm -hmm. connection, so many variables. I mean, you can only limit a few of those variables from your side, you know, like we said, whether that be, you know, going to the same three pubs or wearing the same dress, like the variables of uh, a human connection cannot be isolated. Like you cannot, uh, what's the word for it? Like you cannot predict that or you've got no control over it at all. At all. And I have this, okay, so here is the thing. I think it all comes down to valuing yourself. If you Mm -hmm. value yourself, right, Mm -hmm. you are not going to do things out of a desperate need for approval from that person or to validate yourself. For example, if you value yourself and you're on a date, and the guy's like giving you the vibes or the person's giving you the vibes of sleeping together, but you aren't really ready for that yet or you're just not really feeling it that night, you won't sleep with them that night. Or if you'll be you are feeling it, you will sleep with them that night. Yeah, but you're going to make that decision. Yeah, you're going to make that decision based on what you want to do, not trying to appease or appeal your, make yourself appealing to somebody else. I think that when... Like, you know, all of these kinds of rules are meant to be about, like, the way that they position them is, like, don't let, don't split the bill because you're worth it. You're worth someone paying for you. Don't have sex till six weeks because you're worth it. But actually, you are just worth it. Like, you're just worth it no matter what you do. Yeah, period. No, there's no rules after that. There's no, you know, you don't need to, like, do, like, little fancy games to prove it to somebody that you're worth it. You just are fucking worth it. And... I think when you truly believe that, and that's why I think when we did the app, which I think is probably one of our best episodes, Ash, mm-hmm. which was came from you, um, mm-hmm. was the dating fatigue and, like, taking a break. Yeah. I think so much of that has to do with go and sort your shit out and find love for yourself and really learn, know your hot shit and you're great and anyone would be lucky to date you and then go back into dating with that value in yourself that you genuinely really do value yourself and and regardless of what someone else thinks of you and then you you are just not going to fuck it up because you will not be doing anything to be getting validation from somebody else no absolutely i mean and mo- the modern day world is tiring we're all tired everyone's tired all the time that's just yeah. like it just <laughs> seems to be the, the way of the world pandemic or not and i think the thing with dating is you really need to decipher whether you're tired or you're jaded and that's always been a strategy i think um when we talk about when to have a break it's when you're jaded not necessarily yeah. when you're tired because you know, it's that age-old comment which I hate hearing is when people are like, oh, my God, I have no idea how you go on all these dates. Aren't you tired? It's like, yes, bitch, I'm tired. I'm also <laughs> tired. incredibly lonely and I'm not going to meet <laughs> a partner 
But it's like when I was jaded, I was like, oh, no, this is slipped over from tired into like men are trash. So I think that yes. is like a strategy I always held first and foremost is to decipher, am I tired or am I jaded? Yeah. Yes. And I think that they're the most important strategies is how are you feeling? Why are you on this date? Like, are you having just a good time? Are you dating and, and enjoying it to some time? I mean, we're all fucking tired, right? But like, yeah. are you still enjoying the meeting new people and, you know, going out and stuff? Or are you, yeah, like you said, have you veered into men are trash territory? Because I think if you have, yeah, what's the fucking point? Which we've talked about a million times, but they're the strategies I think that I really stand by are like what it's more to do with you and your your energy in those situations, what's going on in internally for you. Um, and I think that's why I don't like when there's hard and fast rules like don't split the bill and, and don't do this. And it's also like it's also not the other way as well because then you get into the like I'm not like other girls thing where people are like I always split the bill. Huh, I'm so modern. And it's just like it's it, – I don't give a fuck. Like no. it's just a matter of they pay, you pay, you split the bill. Just Who like cares? literally get the just bill paid normal. so like – the waitress the doesn't call the police. Someone. Like we yeah. can't just like steal these drinks. So like yeah. one of us has just to pay the bill. The or, like, just don't steal the drinks. Like I just always like, I guess, you know, be courteous and uh, I mean, live within your means. Don't take someone to a date that you can't pay for. I, you know, I think that's important. But if it's important to you and you feel better about splitting the bill, do it. But don't do it because yeah. it's a rule and don't do it because you're a modern woman. Yeah. Just fucking do what feels right at the time. And also on the sex thing, I want to also say, because I don't think I've yeah. ever said this one, I, the my second boyfriend, I was still a virgin. I was so fucking terrified. I just wasn't ready to have sex like early days. Told him on like the third date. We didn't sleep together then for like another four months. And it was like, you know, I mean, we had a really shit relationship, but like <laughs> not because of the sex thing. That's right? Like we sign. still, like we, you know, we went on for about two years. It was like one of my longer relationships. Then on the flip side, like a few boyfriends ago, I slept with him on the second date and we dated again, like for quite a few months. Like it fucking sex, like when and how you had, like when you have sex is such an irrelevant factor and I think we've just been like we're still holding on to this bit of an archaic 1950s thing going on and I actually and and then we fuel it with times where we've slept with people who then disappear but actually people they were always the going yeah they were <laughs> the amount of times like I've had a drink with someone and they disappeared people disappear because they, they don't just do they just do like <laughs> I always think that it's just like there's be like the rule the three dates rule like if that's working for you great strategy but like yeah. Man, my only strategy was just like remember the date. <laughs> yeah, don't like, forget. Just don't, turn up. Just turn up. Like, jeez, <laughs> just turn up with an open mind and some curiosity and some warmth and like enjoy yeah. my company. Like, doesn't matter if we sleep together, we don't sleep together. Three dates, seven dates, no dates. Like, the sex thing just doesn't factor up high in my list of strategies. No. Like, and hold out and keep them yeah. around. It's just like. What? That has never worked. In what world did that work for anyone? Let us know. No. In the DMs. Yeah, fully. Maybe Bottom it does line, work. Don't play games, but maybe you think game maybe games did work for you. Totally. But it's interesting also just to like as a little final note mm. what Rebecca says about her partner that she met. Mm. 
because then she actually talks in the article about when she met this guy and she was just like, and I just actually, like, she always had a a rule of dating multiple people, which I actually do agree with to some degree. Mm. Um, But she then said, but when she met her partner, she then cancelled all the other dates because she just was like, oh, I just want to start seeing this person. And so it's interesting, even with her rules, she freely admits and acknowledges that, like, it's not hard and fast. Like, she didn't follow those rules when she did meet this guy because she just liked this guy and wanted to keep dating that guy. So I think that at the end of the day, it's like, it's not like a, yeah, I think we want like some sort of like, like the maths lady gif. Like we want some sort of formula (laughs) that's going to like bring us the exact person that we're meant to be with. But firstly, my strong belief, you're never going to know who you're supposed to be with. You don't know that the person you're with now is you're supposed to be with. You don't know fucking anything. You're just finding a person that you really like and also want to fuck. That's how I've always put it. Um, it's not, not the most no pure way of putting it, but also is like, I've forgotten my second point. Just that really, just that. And I mean, guys, like we're all playing <laughs> musical chairs on the Titanic, like, you know, find a seat next to someone who's half decent, sit down for a while. If they suck, the music will come back on, just keep dancing, <laughs> sit next to another person. I and love on finishing goes. on an ash. I love finishing on an ash metaphor. On it goes. It's just one big old game of musical chairs. Anyway. It really is. But, yes, um, but, yeah, we really want to hear your opinions on this because we know it's quite a controversial topic. So come to the group and tell us or you can tell us on Instagram, which I always forget what it is. Jeans and a nice top underscore pod. Hit us with your strategies. We love talking to you guys. Um, it always brightens my day when I see a message crop up and we can have a bit of a it yarn. Does. But, yes, we'll see you guys next week, same time. Yep. Bye. Thanks. Bye.